the Tulsa Music Stream. And now, your hosts, Scott and Jenna Squires. You want the dirt on Tulsa. You got it. Everybody, Don Dawkins is in the house. Yes, he is. Don, thank you so much for, for being here tonight. Uh, we know that you are very busy editing the new video that you guys just shot for the new album coming out in September called Heaven Comes Down. Tell us how close you are to completing the editing on that and when we can expect to see the video released. I finished it about a half hour ago. No kidding. That's fantastic. Yeah, we we're a day late. We are supposed to deliver yesterday, but... You know, it takes time to do this shit. I mean, it's not going to come out tomorrow, but right. I mean, I had to kick it over the label. And then the problem is, you know, in my contract, they said they had, they needed, they wanted five days, you know, to approve it because they don't want any TNA or twerking, you know, because it's a family. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I said, no, G rated and uh, just kind of surreal, holistic. But the venue was a family venue where we filmed all this crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, and Meow Wolf and Meow Wolf. But I'm just waiting to hear back from the boss of her just look at it and say thumbs up. Yeah. And we, we grabbed some of these pictures from the video shoot. I, that's oh, the yeah. that's the director there. Is it Chris Iyer or is it Chris Ayer? Ayer. Chris Ayer. He's the guy. Have you, have you ever watched Dark Winds? Yes. He's the director. Okay. Well, um, tell us how you how you discovered Meow Wolf and how you developed a relationship with him and, and settled upon him to direct this video for you guys. Oh, he's a friend. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's a very well-known director in New Mexico. I think he's done, I mean, he's done a ton of stuff. And, uh, you know, he works with George R. R. Martin, who, you know, wrote Game of Thrones, and he's from Santa Fe. And, uh, you know, we met and he wanted to actually do a documentary about me and this and that. And we started talking and I said, well, have you ever done a, you know, a rock video? And you know, he does, he does TV, you know, mm -hmm. and movies. Mm -hmm. So I, he says, oh, I'll do it. I get some downtime. So that was great. And, uh, and then I still brought in Tom Strick Fadden who's done, did Life from the Sun decades ago, with all the special effects and One Live Night, and he's a rock director. Right. So Chris has never really done a rock video, which was a little tough, you know, because I'm the executive, but, you know, like Thompson, I'm trying to serve two masters. Sure. And Chris Kerr is one of those long shot guys, you know, when you're panning in and then you cut closer and closer. That's what he's doing right now with his hands in that yeah. picture. But... Yeah. The problem was, you know, we don't have an hour or two hours, you know, we got four minutes. Right. And he, and he was new to that. You know, he's known for his, he likes drones. And we wanted to go out to White Sands and film the video. But then it turned out you need a permit and you're not allowed on White Sands and yada, 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 yada. It's mm -hmm. always politics, politics. So we got real lucky to get to film in Meow Wolf. Right. Yeah, New, Mex yeah. New Mexico is a really cool state. Uh, I lived there uh, for about four years in Albuquerque, and I love the balloon festivals oh. that they have out there and everything. Was there a reason why you moved out there, just to kind of get away from everyone and, and um, you know? Privacy. Privacy, a little more privacy? Yeah, you know, I've lived in L.A. my entire life. 
mostly in Manhattan Beach. I was kind of a beach brat. And then I wanted more land, so I kind of moved up to Benedict Canyon and Beverly Hills for 14 years. But honestly, I just had enough of yeah, L.A. Yeah, sure. I just, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, L.A.'s turned into a shithole. Right. All this stuff going on there and motorhomes. Like when you fly into Burbank, there's like 300 motorhomes on Sepulveda, all parked on the side of the road. People are living in them. And you can see they went up into the literally the telephone pole and tapped in the electricity. Wow. And it's a mess, man. Mm. And, you know, when you live in a motorhome, you got a toilet. You're not supposed to poop in it. And these people <laughs> like going, you know, like, you know, even our tour bus, we used to always say peeing only. And, uh, <laughs> it's smelly. but these people, the homeless, they buy these motorhomes that barely run. They get them to the side of the road. They line them all up. The governor of California, Newsom, said, you know, you can't tow them, you can't ticket them. But the problem is they empty out their toilets, you know, outside. We have a little valve you pull into a bucket and they just walk up the street, and just dump them in the sewer. Jesus. So you raw sewage going into the ocean. It's not getting processed. And that pisses me off, you know. Yeah, that's just awful. Where's OSHA? Where's OSHA? And OSHA say, uh, no, you cannot dump raw feces into a uh down the sewer. That's tragic, <laughs> so man. I just kind of had enough. Yeah, sure. And, sure. Uh, it was time you, to move. I you still have, you still have your home there and uh, there the was it the Beverly Canyon? Hills? Yeah, yeah. yeah huh? And no, I sold it last month. I figured, what's the point? I'm, you know, I have 25 acres in Santa Fe. Mm. I live way, way, way up in the mountains. Very isolated, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was kind of. Insp- inspiration of for the video it's called the album's called heaven comes down but the song's called fugitive fugitive from life fugitive so for I, life cool no it's fugitive from life oh from fugitive life. from life okay. okay well let's talk about the album um now you can please correct me if i'm wrong in this i i'm under the impression it's been done for a while but i think i am yeah. i think covid happened and kind of delayed the release and now it's coming out uh, in September, I know that you made previous comments that when you were writing, you wanted it to be somewhere in the vein wow. of between tooth and nail and under lock and key. Now that you have the finished product in your hands, do you feel like that vision came to fruition? Yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, you know, we actually had to go back. You know, when I write records, I don't just think, okay, we need 10 records, you know, or 10 songs or 11. Right. So I always write 20. Mm-hmm. you know, per album. And then you pick the best. And sometimes you write a song and I'm thinking, oh, this is great. You know, right. and I, the thing I own a recording studio in LA didn't cost me anything. And I'd write and write and write. And then I get it done. I go, eh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, you, you get an idea and you think it's going to go. And all of a sudden it just didn't pay out. So the bottom line was it took us two years to do this record mainly because my you know i'm right-handed and i'm now my right arm is paralyzed mm. so no more guitar playing for me and you can see it it's damn what it looks like. should look like this damn it looks like that yeah no it's, it's like skinny and gone oh, sorry so man. and that happened because you had to have the a spinal surgery, surgery. Uh, on your neck is that correct yeah yeah i had well, a comp- well the start the joke was not as a joke but you know, I was on tour with Queensryche a few years ago and I, I warmed up through them acoustically and my left hand was starting to feel like weak, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what the hell? 
So I put lighter strings on and I kept going like, what's going on with my hand? So, and then my right leg started getting tingling and numb. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And everybody has said, hey, you're a guitar player. You've been playing your whole life. It's probably carpal tunnel, no big deal. Right. So I didn't pay much attention to it. But then it got to the point where, well, you can see I could put these three fingers, but the, the pinky won't go together. Right. And that's called something. So I went, oh, great. So I went and had an MRI here in uh, New Mexico. And the guy said, were you in a car accident? And I go, nope. Mm. Did you get rear-ended? Nope. Did you fall off your Harley? Nope. Did you fall off the roof? Nope. Did you fall off the ladder? No. He goes, your spinal cord is crushed. Mm. Holy like, shit. Oh. He goes, like, and he basically said, if you were to, you know, fall or, or your motorcycle or anything, you could probably be paralyzed from the oh neck down. Oh, my God. And I went, oh, that's just lovely. <laughs> so I had to go to L.A. to Cedar sinai to see a specialist. And obviously he screwed up. I'm like, you're supposed to fix this hand. Right. And you ended up paralyzing the, my whole arm. Now I so want to ask, gonna... can I ask you something about that? There's a reason I'm asking this because I had a surgery and I think they botched mine too. Before you went under the knife, did they tell you, hey, this might happen? Were you given any any kind of pre-warnings that this could be a, a, a side effect? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No, that's why I'm suing him. Good for you. Uh, I mean, I remember my kids were there and everyone was there and and they kept wondering why it was taking so long and it was supposed to be like an hour and a half. It was like five hours. So something mm. went amiss. And and it was kind of a joke. I'm going to the surgery room and I can feel the morphine or whatever kicking in. I look at the doctor. I can't tell you his name because we're in a lawsuit. And I said to him, uh, just do me a favor. Don't paralyze me and don't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> so I got half. Right. And the truth is, now my, my left hand's still screwed up. Oh, you know, it's dude. like I try to ride my motorcycle after almost three years now. Oh, wow. I go, I, go, I go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'm just trying to build up my upper body strength and do whatever I can to compensate for this bullshit. Sure. Man. So my friend and I went down to my storage locker and I cracked open my Harley and fired it up and went around the little storage place and I dropped it. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Damn. That I'm sucks. Just, it, ride Harleys ride. is, that's your big thing. Yeah. Oh, that's dude. my big thing. So I was doing this and the bike started to go right. Somebody had stopped and I only had a narrow spot to turn and I turned really sharp and the bike started and I tried to push it straight and I couldn't. Wow. And I dropped and, and thank God the handlebar hit the wall because you never want to drop a motorcycle on the right-hand side. That's where the pipes are. Oh, and man. You'll end up with third-degree burns. Well, so anyway, I got lucky, and I said, well, I guess I'm not going to start riding anytime soon. Well, but I now hope... I've got a new thing going on. I have a robotic. They built me in a robotic thing on my hand with, like, a computer, and it's really strange. I should get it soon. Where I can take my left hand and I go like this, yeah. And move. whatever I do with my left hand, my right arm will do the same. Huh. So, um, and hopefully I will get my fingers straight again, wow. since they're all fucked up now. So, is there so, no surgery that can uh, reverse what they did? No, they severed, they severed the nerves. They're gone. Man, well, oh, I, I hope you clean Not the, the hand. They they severed the neck, so my whole arm is gone. I have no bicep, no oh. tricep. I've been working out. I got the top one pretty buffed, but mm. 
I just, you know, and I got out and I said, what happened? And I was in like extreme pain, mm. like, like acid in my arms. And I was like, what the hell did you do? And okay. he's like, oh, it's normal. You'll get better. It's called reperfusion. And so, you know, I said, and he said, well, it might take a year. So a year goes by, nothing. It actually got worse. It was at 80%. Now my arm is, I can do this. That's it. Yeah. Mm. My deposition, he goes, what can you do? I go, I can put my hand above my arm, my, <laughs> my arm above my head. Right. And I go, oh, that's not much progress for three years. No, it's not. Hopefully you'll clean their clock on the lawsuit. Yeah. Let's- uh, Jay, uh, Jeff Davidson in the chat room says, Don, get a three-wheel trike. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What about that? It's funny you said that. They're very popular here in Santa Fe. Everybody has a three-wheel. And I'm thinking, of, but I'm actually going to get the opposite, I think. I'm probably going to sell the Harley, and I'm going to get a, a bike. I, when, I, I had, when I was in France, I went all over you know, in con and, and I rented this thing called a Peugeot bike and it's got two wheels in the front and you don't have to put your hand, you can come to a stop and you don't even have to put your feet down. It's got a gyroscope and the thing just locks. And I dug that bike and you didn't have to turn the wheel. You just lean to the left, you lean to the right. And I'm like, this is really cool. And I didn't have to put my feet down and, and, and it's bitching, but they won't allow them into America. So, wow. uh, call it Metropolis, 900 cc's. It's only got one gear, so I don't have to shift. So uh, I said, you know, this I should get one of those. So I've been looking, but I found like they're all in England and in France. Everybody rides these bikes with the two little wheels. They're like this close together, mm-hmm. so they come. You don't can't fall over, and it's got some weird computer in there that just makes it lock. And then as soon as you hit the gas. Uh, it goes. So that's probably where I'm headed because I love riding still in New Mexico. You know, you sure. have thousands, thousands of miles of open road. You can go to Colorado, Taos. You know, Je- George just bought a house in Taos. Yeah. yeah. We've been talking about moving to New Mexico for decades. And he goes, I can't believe you bought a house in New Mexico. I said, well, <laughs> it's different. You know, it's... <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking out the window right now. It's trees and yeah. mountains. A lot and, of people moving to either Las Vegas or they're yeah. going to... Uh, Getting out of the coast for sure. Yeah. Hey, let's shift gears. Exodus. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying LA's got a mass exodus going on right now. Yes, they do for sure. All the taxes, homeless, yep. uh, the state's broke. Yes. You know, I mean... If, we, uh, we know. I, I won't get. I won't get into politics. But I understand. Government. We're with you. Just so, know that. So I know you're a, you're a great songwriter, and I know you're having now having challenges with your your right hand and everything and playing guitar. So is as John Levin kind of helping you with some melodies that you have in your head and, and some things that you want to kind of put down? You know, you just kind of vocally have a riff in your mouth or something, and, you, and it, John's just kind of. People keep asking me, and I go. Writing a song is a spiritual thing, you know, it doesn't matter if you can, I can say, okay, play A, go to C, Mm -hmm. go to B, and the melody goes like this, but it's not the same, right? you know, I mean, when it comes from your head, yeah. and I'm one of those kind of guys that, I always said, I always wrote my best songs at two in the morning when I was peeing, you know, (laughs) and I actually had that one, and I'm like, you know, and I'm half asleep, and I'm like, no, no, not now. Not now. I feel this melody coming. The lyrics are coming. Yep. I'm going, oh, man. 
Right. So I used to keep these little mini micro cassette recorders yep. next to my bed, one in the living room, one in my studio. And I would just hum it and play it while I was playing guitar then, which was something that was a great love of mine. But I kept my one electric and one acoustic. And and uh, so we just started digging in to all these hard drives of like 30 years of music I've written. Hmm. And, I, and I go, oh, that was a pretty cool riff. And that's a cool riff. And I put them all together. I go to John's house in LA and he'd check out the riff and he wrote a bunch of songs too. And and I'd say, look, this song could be cool. We just need a bridge, we need a chorus. And I got to come up with some lyrics, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So choose your life because people keep asking, what the hell are you doing in New Mexico? And people that know me here know I live very isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like an old church that I bought almost five years ago. It's got like a cathedral ceiling and wow. it's like giant beams. You can see the beams above me. That's, and this is just up in the guest house. Wow. And uh, I just saw it and I went, what a trippy house, you know? <laughs> and there's no neighbors, zero neighbors. That's great. So I, I become a recluse. And uh, I made a joke one night, hanging out with some people. And they said, you know, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I guess I'm a fugitive from life now. And that's ah. the title of the song. There you go. That's very cool. What do you think about some of the, like, the AI-generated uh, people, like, uh, recording and stuff like that, kind of having the AI generate, you know, uh I don't think like Paul Dio McCartney's stuff like that. Well, like, no, no. Paul McCartney's like talking about oh, putting yeah. out a uh, Beatles uh, song with John Lennon. They're kind of doing the AI thing. Uh, I don't wow. know if you know much about that at all. No, I don't. Mm. Well, let's, shi let's shift gears. Uh, let's shift gears. I'm going to put this, your show dates up, upcoming up on the screen yeah. here. It's a very nice selection of dates. You guys are going to be up in the Midwest. And then uh, this last one on the screen back at the whiskey i'm sure it's always fun to go back there now obviously don back in the day when you toured you were out on the road for the better part of a year this new way of quote unquote touring where you're kind of doing the weekend warrior thing and it's fly out dates it seems like it's the best of both worlds where you can still have that one-on-one -on -one connection with your fans play live and then you're back home for the rest of the week are you really enjoying the the pace of of your show schedule and how it's set up now well you know it's a it's a double-edged sword you know i didn't mind you know when we had a tour bus right you could just walk out of the arena to the parking lot and i could just go to my bunk sure and crash sure you know so this is great you know so um i did that and uh you know i thought and then we kind of graduated when we got to the stadium level like a monster rock and then we had a jet and that was cool it held eight people and we just fly to the gigs mm -hmm. very expensive but you know um and the funny thing was that mick and george hated flying hmm. they had this thing like it's a small jet it's gonna crash i go Big jet, small jet. If they're going down, it's going down. <laughs> and you know, right. my son's pilot. My son flies jumbos. Oh wow! Like the big, like the big seven sixty seven, seven oh sevens. You know, he's the United Airlines pilot. Wow! And uh, that's what he always since he was seven years old. You know, all the kids wanted the shooting games and the, <laughs> you know, battle cry, man of wars, and he always like, I want a flight simulator. I'm like. Okay. Oh, that's cool. But I, I thought it was a phase. 
Sure. You know, so I gave him his first flying lesson when he was like 15 and he was just addicted. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and here he is now at 34 and he's flying, you know, to Europe and Hawaii and all over the planet. So that's his love. We all have our loves. And, you know, my daughter's a classical pianist and she has her own company. And so Tyler became a pilot and, uh, you know, and so the bus thing was good, but there's a downside to leaving. When they you say, oh, I have two shows this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, that's five, almost five days out of my life. You know, mm-hmm. if you're playing on Friday, you got to leave on Thursday. We right. never fly a day show. It's too dangerous. Right. You get delayed, you get canceled. So you leave on Thursday and you get the hotel, you're beat up. You're stuck in Dallas for five hours on a layover and traffic and then you play friday mm-hmm. and then you have to fly to the next state saturday day of show at six in the morning to get there for sound check yeah next week and then you fly home on sunday and i'm beat up mm. yeah i hear you you know your um, more time here. the the last album you put out was your uh you know the uh what's it called us the step into the light uh, song uh huh yeah oh. Oh, the, the Lost Tapes. Yeah, the Lost Songs, uh, 78 and 81. And all, I guess a bunch of analog uh, tapes. Yeah. All analog. Uh, actually, my daughter was just here uh, in New Mexico four days ago, and her and her husband drove up in a truck and brought everything that was left in the garage. And that's what happened. You know, I, I decided to move up here. I was moving, uh, running out to Beverly Hills house, trying to clean all the junk out of the garage. And I find this big tub and I'm looking at it and I see all these two inch analog tapes <laughs> and it says 1978, 1979, 1980. So cool. And I'm like, that's not my handwriting. Then it said, Michael Wagner. I oh, went, wow. holy shit. These are the demos I did on my first tour of Germany uh, in 1979 when I met Michael. After the gigs, we go to a studio what they call downtime at three o'clock in the morning. And we'd like, you know, record till 10 the next morning. And uh, there were just demos. And I just thought they were gone Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm cleaning out the garage. I open it up and I go, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) You know? And it says, you know, Tennessee Ton Studios, Hamburg, 1979, January. But the problem with two inch tape, when it sits in a garage for 50 years, yeah. you can't play them anymore. Right. Because you now they stick together. Yeah. So they have this thing they do now, uh, which um, Zeppelin did. Uh, they had to do the same thing, you know, because uh, he, you know, he wanted to do the remixes of the Zeppelin album, Jimmy Page. And they had these tapes and you'd look inside, they had mold or they're cooked. So they have this thing, it's pretty trippy. They have a convection oven and you take the tapes and you put it in an oven at 475 Hmm. for like three hours and it kind of unsticks the tape. Wow. And, you know, so you can put it on the machine. The funny thing now is nobody has any machines anymore. It's all Pro Tools. Right. So I had machines in my studio. I had two of them. So we baked them and everybody said, Don, you're probably going to get like one pass mm. and that tape's just going to shred in a million pieces. Jeez. So I pulled it off and I figured, well, you know, what happened with my arm? And uh, 
you know, the band. And it was just like a rough time, you know. And Chris, my bass player, he shattered his right shoulder. Jeez. And he, he now has something like three, 13 permanent titanium screws in his arm. Oh, grief. He wow. was out of commission. And then John had to have surgery. He had the same thing. He was going, man, my, my fingers are not working right. Oh, it was man. his right hand. And he had to have surgery. He found out that he had an extra rib. Is <laughs> that right? Born, yeah. It was only about this big, little tiny thing. <laughs> like <laughs> right here on his neck. And there, good old John. <laughs> he that's grew a great picture. Out. Yeah, that's at my daughter's wedding. Yeah. So um, he's like, dude, my, my hands are giving out. And I said, man, I mean, so we're all crippled. <laughs> and we used to make jokes about back in the 80s, we'd be doing the wheelchair tour someday. <laughs> so um, he had to have surgery. He was down for the count. Then Chris shattered his shoulder. It just went on and on and on. And that's when we finished the album. We called it Broken Bones because mm, yeah. uh, we were all screwed up. Right. I was fine, you know, and then I had my problems. So uh, I just figured, well, I don't know what's going to happen to Doc. Mm -hmm. So I companies, I told him I had these songs from like 1978, 9, and 80, and 81. And that's where they said, well, why don't you just put it out? And I went, okay. I said, I'm not going to, the only thing, what's funny about those tapes, when I hear myself singing, I sound like Mickey Mouse. Uh. <laughs> I really do. You know, it's like I'm singing like at this falsetto high because you know, I was twenty five years old. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, an yeah, amazing like, voice, and and your your ballads are just top. I mean, top just, notch. Oh, top notch. All of your ballads, and you know, back in the metal days, I mean, you know, I was a metalhead, and the Motley Crue just came out, and of course, yeah. you know, Great White, and all these bands, and but you guys still rock, but you also got had a lot of cool melodies and, and really cool ballads. Um, I wanted to introduce you. This is Jana. You might remember her um, when you guys played at the IDL Ballroom. Um, you you actually had her come up and play guitar uh, during. Oh, yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> there, 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 there we she are. Is right there. <laughs> yeah, she's good and she's pretty. Ah, uh, very sweet. Well, anyway, finish your hot face. <laughs> Finish your thoughts, Scott. What were you saying? Well, anyway, um, you know, she she learned that song and everything, and and uh, we we play in a cover band and everything, and and we're we're soon going to be uh, playing that song as well. But you know, you your songwriting oh. skills have always been top notch, and and you know something that's been a uh, uh, in my life since I was thirteen years old, and um, you know, I'm, I remember watching you back in the. When the VH1 nightlife, you know, videos and everything would come out, and uh, uh, seeing the breaking the chains and and um, into the fire, it's all good stuff. But just give you some props on your songwriting, it's good stuff. Yeah, and and when you uh, when you come back, I want to I want to ask you. I mean, I always like to pick you guys' brains about the business side of music. Sure. I know it's a I know it's a rough rough business, very cutthroat. And, you know, when you talk to some of these guys, you, you, they reflect on their careers and you, know, you, may, you may hear them say, oh, well, our biggest downfall was our infighting or our substance abuse. Seems like one thing that really did a lot of guys in is that they did not retain the rights to their own publishing. 
And I'm wondering if when you were young and and the labels were king and you kind of just had to do what you had to do to get a get a record deal did the labels make it almost impossible to retain your own publishing to get the deal and was that something you knew was really important from an early age yes and but we did we all we all i was told by someone that you know whatever you do when we got our first record deal do not give up your publishing. Right. You know, because that's where the money is the rest of your life, you know. Yeah. I still get checks in the mail. But so, but we made a deal and we sold half our publishing to Warner Brothers. And then we kept 50%. And then, you know, of course, the wars began when the band started unraveling, you know, because my manager talked me into doing something that I regret. Mm hmm. And that was just make it even, everybody equal split. Oh, and I'm not going to name the bands, but most bands don't do that. Right. You know, you write the song, it's your publishing. Sure. But you know, when you're, you know, your first record deal, I'm like, well, you know, we're not famous. We don't, we haven't got a hit record. Yeah. So I, I made it the deal with the devil. And uh, so basically now we have 50% four ways. So now I've got like, 12 percent <laughs> so you know and you split it four ways so it, you know i i regret it but it's over with so right uh, we just we sold our catalog last year because I, I was i think like i said you know i'm moving to new mexico and i'm i'm buying like half a mountain and it's going to be expensive and mm. uh but yeah i mean you know if mick wrote a song i think he should have had the publishing yeah. And if George wrote a song, you should have the publishing. Sure. But unfortunately, I was the main songwriter. Right. So technically, I gave up 75% of my publishing. Oh, God. And you wrote a lot of the under lock and key, and it's basically oh, says oh. written by Dawkin. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting story. <laughs> I asked well, that all... because I want people to learn and be educated on, on this topic. Anyway, go ahead. So, you know, Jeff would write a song and George would write a song and Mick would throw in some lyrics, but you know, I was a singer and I'm a lyricist. And I guess people thought like, George writes the music and then Don writes the lyrics, but it really wasn't like that. Honestly, through the whole doc and heyday, George and I, ever, George and I never wrote together. Those three guys would go up and write and I'd be in this little apartment writing by myself. But Jeff would be your refer would kind of be the referee with all of you guys, though. Is that correct? I, Jeff would be working with them. Then he'd come by my apartment. He'd see what I'm up to. We don't want to write the same song, you know, or the same lyrical title. So Jeff was the referee. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it went down. And then, um, then the Supreme Court about four years ago said it's not right because when you give your in the 60s they owned all your publishing in perpetuity forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever right think of the bands in the 60s the seeds or jefferson airplane and steppenwolf their their songs they didn't own them man so they didn't get money but that's the way it was but then for i think it's been about five years the supreme court said that's not right you can't own someone's art. Right. That's like saying, I made a painting, 
it's my painting. Yeah. And they're like, no, we own that painting and you can, and we're not going to pay you for it. So finally the Supreme court overturned it. Um, I know a lot of bands right now are trying to get their publishing back. Right. Those bands are dead, you know, from the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. But uh, we fought for it and we got our publishing back. Mm. That's great, man. I, I know it's probably a very expensive fight to fight, but it just seems like so many guys made that mistake where they just signed it away. And I know it was a very regretful mistake. Yeah, we have a couple more questions. We There is a bunch of people in the chat room right now we're talking a bunch we're like and they're asking some questions so we, we're going to ask you a couple of questions then we're going to get to some questions here in the chat room so some of your fans can uh, ask you some questions yeah, we won't keep you a ton longer we know you're tired and, and busy but thank you again for your time here with us on I'm Tulsa winding Music down. you're Twice winding down i walked up to the casita <laughs> which we that's what they call it in new mexico uh-huh it's like and that's why i bought i said and it's kind of funny. I've always bought, I've had a lot of homes, but I've always bought homes and had a guest house. Right. Cause I got people flopping on my couch and I'm like, I need a guest house. <laughs> so when I moved up here, it, you know, it, it happened to have a guest house that wasn't connected to the house. Yeah. So I always tell people, you want to come, you know, let me know. It's all furnished. That's why I stepped away. Cause I came up here. I was like, it's like freezing in here. Really? It's beautiful. Oh, God. I walked in and I was, uh, I got to bless that air conditioning. And you know what's going on the planet right now? It's been a, it's been a hundred degrees up here forever. Yeah. Look at yeah. Phoenix where Mick lives. I mean, 118 for 15 days. Yeah, it's crazy. And the thing about China, they just broke the world all time hottest record was 126 in china oh my god i didn't and know the scientists that. say you know 126 and they said they were on tv telling people to stay inside because it turns out i guess after 122 you'll cook your 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 organs will like fail oh wow and that is scary that's their fault that's their fault because they they're polluters right right the worst i, I saw that on well, the news today. hey how so, help oh, go ahead yeah. Go ahead. No, I'll, I'll, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, I was going to ask you how how important are these three individuals to your career? I'm talking about Michael Wagner, uh, Gabby Hoffman, who I guess is now married to um, Wolf Hoffman, Wolf, Wolf and, and, and Accept, um, yeah. who helped you with the record deal in the early in the early days in Germany, uh, and then of course Cliff Bernstein. Of course, Bernstein was like the king of all managers. Yeah. You know, he's the biggest in the world. He still has Metallica. He had Queens Rygig, Tesla. Do you still do you, got Metallica. Do you, do you still talk to those three people? Uh, I haven't talked to Gabby in a long time. You know, if it wasn't for Gabby, I wouldn't have got a record deal. Hmm. Because when I went to Germany the second time, actually, I think Dieter Dirks was doing Blackout. Yeah. And he would be in L.A., looking for a bass player and a drummer for another band he had called Vic Brigat. And I said, uh, and he goes, you know, who do you think's a good drummer and who's a great bass player? And I said, well, call me Bobby, call Bobby Blotzer, you know, he played in Dawkins. So he went and saw Bobby and, uh, and Juan Crucier, <laughs> uh, who was in Rat, his brother, Tom Crucier was a bass player and singer. <laughs> so I went to see them and they were warming up for us. And I had, and so Dieter's there and he watched our show. <laughs> I had to laugh and I was all excited. And he goes, Don, 
I don't like your band. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I'm like, ouch. Jeez. You know? Yeah, nice, straightforward German guy. <laughs> and he goes, but I like your voice. Mm-hmm. And he says, and you sing kind of like Klaus mine. And that was when Klaus had had surgery on his voice. Right. And he couldn't sing, so they couldn't finish the record. Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal. Because, you know, some guys just go, hey. But I've always gone, hey. I can't right. help it. Yeah, That's just the way I sing. I've always sang with vibrato. Some of those singers fake it. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, it's hey, it's all the day, the day. I go, no, nah, <laughs> now you sound like Pavarotti. Right. But I can't keep my pitch mm-hmm. without using vibrato. It's very, very difficult. It's just the way I sing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, Klaus has that heavy, you know, all right, you're not California. You're ready for a blackout, you know? <laughs> You know, the, he had that vibrato. So, and my voice, Dieter felt was very similar to his. So he said, do you want to come to Germany and do some background vocals on this Blackout album? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm, wow. <laughs> my favorite bands in the world. Yeah, I was buying, I was, I was listening to Fly the Rainbow and, you know, Tokyo tapes when only John Roth was in the band and, and then Michael. And so, you know, I was a huge fan. So I fly to Germany and by myself, I didn't have a band then. I didn't know George. I didn't know Mick. I hadn't even met him yet. I knew they were in the boys. I'd seen him on the strip. So I flew to Germany and I did some background vocals and I don't even know what's made it on the record. Um, I did some scratch vocals lead, which I have a cassette of, which I will never, ever, ever you know, people are like, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for that. I go, nope. <laughs> it's against the rules. All right. And the rumor mill started that this guy from LA is going to replace Klaus Mine. He's lost his voice. And so Klaus was a little icy to me when we were in the studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I finally pulled him aside one day. We they had one video game called Defender. Yeah. And I we love all, that game. Remember that? Oh yeah. Course, and that yes. Stargate came after that. <laughs> Stargate, and we yeah. said, we're, we're all trying to do the highest score. So there were four rooms at Dirk Studios outside of Cologne. So it just happens to be Scorpions are in the big room, and Accept was in Studio B. And then I got to go into the dungeon, they called it. It was a little room to record some demos. And I'd already met Michael Wagner in Hamburg, you know, a couple of years earlier. And I said, Michael, could you come up and engineer it? I'm going to make some demos. So accepts in the studio and Gabby Hoffman was the manager and she, you know, and she really liked the songs and she said, well, I have to go to Hamburg tomorrow and meet with the president of Carrera records. Why don't I take your cassette, <laughs> you know, no, yeah. no CD. And she goes, I'll take it and play it for him. He's a publishing company hmm. and they're actually a French label. So it got all weird. And she came back. I picked her up from the airport and she handed me a plane ticket and said, uh, you know, he wants to sign you. And I said, okay. And she goes, he's offering you like 20,000 marks. And I'm like, uh, how much is that? I don't know what marks are. (laughs) And I think it was 10,000 marks. And I could she was, well, it's about $6,000. And I went, but you know, that was more money than I had. Of course. And right at the airport, she goes, ask him for 20,000 marks. <laughs> 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 I said, I don't want to blow the deal. 
which literally turned out to be 8,500 bucks. Oh, wow. So it's... I got an $8,500 deal and yes, you talk about publishing. There you go. Raw phoned all the publishing. Very good. Very good. But you well... know, it was, came out and then, you know, if you want to do the research on the internet, I didn't have a band. Mm-hmm. So I, I hired George. Actually, I was looking to get Mick in the band. And I said, I'll hire you guys, come over and do the record and have a band. So I had Juan, he was in the band, but yeah. uh, we can't go into that story. Mm. So somebody somebody um, tore up his passport the night before he was leaving. Oh. And he's like, dude, my passport just got torn up. And I went, I told you she was nuts. I was going to say, sound, <laughs> sounds like an ex-girlfriend stunt to me. Uh, how, how's Mick Brown doing? Have you talked to him in a while or? That's kind of sad. We were so close. Yeah. And you know, George came, he left the band, he came back in, he left the band, he came back in. Then George, then Jeff left for Dio and then he came back in. And at the end of the day, they all came back because I still had a record deal. Mm-hmm. and they didn't so uh you know mick and i were really close we lived together we had a house in uh redondo beach overlooking the ocean and mick and i were like really tight so uh but like you know i i understand you know when you play drums since you're 10 years old you take a hit yes. your knee your feet your elbows, his fingers look like mine. He has arthritis from holding the sticks mm. for 50 years. Right. I've always said the drummer has the hardest job in the band. For sure. You gotta bring it every night. You can't say, oh, I'm tired tonight or I'm hungover. I'm just gonna tap out the drums. Right. Mick doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. He just hits as hard as he can. So when he got back to Arizona, we had two shows to go on the tour. And we all got off the plane and we're looking, where's Mick? And Mick was still on the plane. Hmm. He couldn't get out of the seat. I mean, that's how sore and beat up he was. So I held my hand out and I pulled him out of the seat, took his handbag and he's limping. I'm like, what's wrong with your hip, bro? And he goes, man, my knees are killing me. My feet are killing me. And we walked outside the airport. He said, you know what? I'm done because I can't do it. So and you went, saw it coming. Did you know it was coming? Yeah, I knew it was coming. Okay. I mean, he, you know, after the show, we put ice on his shoulders and ice on his back and pack his knees. And, you know, he just got beat up. And he just said, hey, I've had a great time. I've had a great career, 40 years. And he was in Lynch Mob. And he just goes, I'm done, man. Yeah. So, uh, and when he said done, I said, well, can we just play phoenix tomorrow and then tucson then the tour was over he goes no i'm done i'm going home wow so i scrambled and uh to get bj and chris and they had been in house of lords for eight years so they were a team Mm -hmm. which i needed i needed a bass player you can't just hire a bass player and hire a drummer and they have to click yeah but i'm spoiled his greatest you know greatest drummer i've ever played with he wasn't a fancy drummer like a neil pert you know, he was more like a John Bonham, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's ever seen us live, man. Mick was just the shit, man. Yeah. But, you know, 50 years of partying and drinking and drug abuse and yeah. beating yourself up. And, you know, Bernstein would put us on the road for like a year and a half. And that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. I go, okay, you got two weeks off. I fly home, like, 
get home like five days before Christmas. And I had three days off after that. Then we had to go to Oakland, play New Year's Eve and off to Europe we went. And then after Europe, we go to Japan. And then, oh, you have an offer to go on tour with uh, Judas Priest. Okay, go back to America and do another run. And so we were on the road for forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's what Rent Manager, look at Metallica. I mean, they're on tours for years at a time. But it paid off, they're billionaires. Sure. So Cliff kept us out there and trying to get us to get famous and sell records and but that's when the problems come with cocaine, right? Drinking, just trying to survive the tour, right? And but unfortunately for me, I never got into coke. Hmm. You know, I think I tried it like, you know, when I was twenty-seven. I go, this, I don't like this feeling. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. I just didn't. It wasn't my game of choice. Yeah. Everybody knows I was the champagne guy <laughs> or red wine. So that's what happens so and you know when you got three guys out of the band that are doing drugs and then i was pretty naive and i found out the crew was doing coke and the bus driver's doing coke everyone's doing coke it was the 80s man yeah like say if you got coke in the 80s 90 percent chance it came from carlos escobar (laughs) (laughs) and you know in the 80s i mean it was bizarre. You could just walk down the street. Go, you got any coke, man? Can I, can I buy some coke? Can I buy some coke? In the rainbow, I remember. I can't say who, but you know, people are chopping lines on the table. But I understood. That, you know, we're getting our asses kicked. Right. You know? And then you come home for two weeks. You're back on the road for six months, and I can see why you're getting to drinking and drug. I get it. Of course. You know. So that's what broke up. I say that's what broke up the band. Yeah. You know, they thought I left the band because I wanted more money and I wanted to get the publishing. I said, no, it's a four-way split. Yeah. If I write it, you guys, if I get a dollar, you get a dollar, you yeah. get a dollar, and you get a dollar. So that came out to work out for them because they made shitloads of money in the publishing. Yeah. It was like right. in my dreams. I wrote in Mexico, Drunk on Tequila, and Alone Again, and all those songs. But so, you know, the band, you know the history. It's all on the internet. Yeah. Sure. You know, you you guys when you when you put out it's another day and with the video and you guys look in the in the intro of the video you guys are all kind of happy to be around each other and you're putting out this video and you go on the Japan tour and you put out this Yeah, record. it was great. And, you know, make that joke right before it starts. He laughed. Absolutely. He goes, right. he goes, oh, I goes He goes, who would have thought Duncan does a video?" <laughs> right. You know, like 20 20 seven years later yeah and you, know, so you guys you guys are all clean and everything and getting along and, and and even i think george recently put out something where he said that like it's no big deal what's going on between me and don because we're both old now and and we you know we he don't said care. we don't care yeah <laughs> and i love care. that so i mean we we as fans enjoy as you see the picture changes we we both have really gray hair now. <laughs> <laughs> but you look like you're genuinely enjoying your moment together there, and that's what we want to see. We just, you know, everybody wants a happy ending, and uh, just, gosh, Dawkins is so beloved. It's so influential. It means so much to so many people. We have so many people watching you live right now uh, on this interview. And, hey, I want you to, if you would, real quick, and then we're going to start to wrap this up so you can have your evening. There's one more fun memory I want you to share with us. I'm going to put this up on the screen. The star session. 
this man i tell you what what we wouldn't have paid to be a fly on the wall during this we had jeff tate on several months back he recounted his story and said how intimidated and scared he was to go in there because he had to impress ronnie and and you know how just he was just freaked out share your memories of that time well same thing you know i did the do tour the last in line tour when he had the big pyramids and you know, and he slayed a dragon and he had the sword and lasers. So I did that big tour. We were the support band. Right. So I've known, I knew Ronnie my whole life. And then Ronnie uh, actually didn't want to record in Hollywood when, the, you know, he wanted to get, say he was like me, he wanted to get the hell out of Hollywood and all the madness. So he was coming down to Redondo Beach and recording with Wynn Davis. And my recording studio was like 200 yards away. So I'd pop in and, hey, Ronnie, how you doing? And he was just such a sweet guy. I remember I turned 30 on the deal tour. And he he rented the room at the top of the hotel, and they threw me a surprise birthday party. And that's the kind of guy Ronnie was. And I always remember no matter, you know, what time we were leaving in the morning, Ronnie was always the first one in the lobby, sitting in a chair, reading the newspaper. You know, he was into sports. He loved sports. So when he got sick, you know, um, I saw him because when he did that last album at, I think, uh, uh, in New York and uh, can't remember, Radio City Music Hall, I think that was the last recording he did. He was mixing that. And I walked in to say hi. Ronnie loved Indian food. I loved Indian food. Ben Davis loved Indian food. Michael Wagner loved Indian food. <laughs> so I'd come in, I'd say, you know, you guys want me to go down and we and we happen to have the best Indian food restaurant in California, like they're number one. So I go get food and we just hang out and eat Indian food. And and I remember he was singing and he would say, no, let me do that again. You know, it wasn't good. And I'm thinking like, no, that was amazing. <laughs> and, and I'd pipe up. I go, Ronnie, it was perfect. It was awesome. It, you were great. And he's going through chemo and he's this toward the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was always a frail guy anyway. And, uh, you know, we chatted. I didn't want to get into that subject, but uh, I just remember he was singing and he was so critical of himself, you know? Hmm. And I'm like, and I've always said, there's certain people in this world that are blessed by God, hmm. you know, that just had that voice. Right. And Ron was one of them. He did his first record when he was 15. It was a country song. <laughs> and it was a pretty funny 45 Jeff Tate. Yeah. I mean, when I toured with him, then I go, this guy can sing. <laughs> Jeff is like the bomb. Yeah. So I was nervous, you know, about going on tour with Queens Rikes. And they said, oh, no, you're just going to play acoustic. And I went, no band, just me. <laughs> and I go, playing guitar. And, and I was really, I don't know if I can pull this off, man. But that's when the problem started with my left hand. My, I started getting what they call trigger finger. Hmm. It's like when your finger just goes doing and it just just freaks out. Huh. Oh, wow. So, but I let it go for many years, which is kind of the problem. So I had a lot of, a lot of nerves died, but I played, look, I've toured with Rob Halford. I did the Turbo Lover tour. Mm-hmm. So every scene, like every tour we did, I'm like, oh man, I'm up against the best of the best of the best of the best. <laughs> You know, we did the White Snake tour, we did the Scorpions tour, and 
and you know and Jeff Tate and these guys are just born with a gift. Yes. You look like Glenn Hughes. I mean, he'd live with me for about a year when he was going through his hard times. And then he, he got clean and he had a heart attack, I think. And uh, he'd come in my bedroom in the morning. He was sleeping in the front of the house. And I'd be working on my demos. And he'd just walk in and goes, oh, I got an idea. Hand me the mic. And he just starts singing. He'd been awake for 10 minutes. Wow. And he, start, he just started belting it out. And I'm like, how in the hell do you do that? <laughs> and he's just another guy. Glenn is just blessed by God. Definitely. He's in his 70s. He still sings as amazing as he ever did. Jeff Tate. There's a lot of them. And then a lot of singers lost their voice. You know, right. I'm husky right now from breathing. I just trimmed a Russian olive tree, which I hated. Mm. And it dusty and yucky and I start getting raspy and that's what I've been doing all day is cutting trees. You've been you doing know. that for years. Yeah, you have. Oh man. Koi ponds I, and pumps, I, fish I, pumps. Yeah, I'm all about my koi ponds. <laughs> I don't have a koi pond here yet, but I'm probably gonna dig a hole at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Every home I ever buy I go, okay, where am I gonna put the koi pond? Yeah. And I have to make because they're living in buckets right now. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, get into the chat room here and um, let you hear some of these uh, these people's uh, comments here. Um, Scott Smith says this is the kind of stuff as a fan I like to hear. Thank you, Don. Uh, Jennifer Chandler says love you, Donnie, your friend, Full Moon Jennifer. Huh. Uh, Neil Perk says Pablo Hell's coming after. I don't know what he's talking about there. Uh, here's one that I want to get to Don. Uh, Jay Stabler says, Don, how do you rate back for the attack as an album in your catalog? You guys were on fire. Your vocals were crazy high. My favorite 80s album. Yeah, uh, you know, that was our last studio album. And uh, it was a great record. It was the first record that we weren't involved in, really. We wrote the record. And then we we landed the Monsters of Rock tour with Van Halen and Scorps and Kingdom Come and Metallica. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been one of those guys that wants to be behind the board and say, you know, turn up the snare a little bit, maybe bring the kick them down. Well, we just literally had to shipped the tapes off to Thompson and Barbiero was a mixing team and they and they'd send the mixes back and I'd want to make comments because I'm a control freak and they're like oh dude we've already moved on to the next song <laughs> so it's too late but, but to their credit they made it pretty dry and raw right heavy and you know I grew up in the 80s where you know, when I first, I remember when Cliff Bernstein first signed us and he came to see me and he played me the, some Def Leppard songs off of Pyromania and I just fell, fell out of my chair. Mm. I actually mm. wanted to scrap the record we were going on, working on Tooth and Nail and like, let's start over. Because wow. Def Leppard a record coming out and it's going to be huge. Huh. Every song of that record was a hit. Wow. So that kind of freaked me out. And Cliff uh, played it for me, and I went, oh, my God. But that was when we were doing Tooth and Nail. But there was always this kind of a push-pull thing, like, you know, Jeff's always called me the crooner. So I was always kind of wanting to be the melodic guy, right? Right. In Dreams, The Hunter, It's Not Love, Just Got Lucky. And George always wants to say we should become 
a metal band. Hmm. I'm like, I'm not a metal singer. Right. I mean, who, who invented that term heavy metal? Yeah. First it was rock and roll, then it turned into heavy rock, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's metal. Right. And then that fractured into five categories. Yeah. Thrash, death metal, speed metal, death metal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all, it was like, who are you? You know, are you metal? No, I'm thrash metal. Right. What do you guys we do death metal, you know, what are you doing? Or we're punk metal. Uh, yeah. So it fractured in all these different categories. Yeah. And always, and all of a sudden we kind of became considered of one of the metal bands of the eighties. I don't see us that I just see us as a melodic rock band. I agree with you. I do. What you got, Scott? What's your, so let us know. So you said, I don't know. You said you write about 20 tracks per album. How many tracks are on this new album? Heaven comes down. Uh, 10 and I'm ten not tracks. happy. Yeah. I wrote, we wrote 15 songs. And in my opinion, every single song we wrote in the last two years between me going to LA, working in Santa Fe was very healthy for me because the studio I have now, you know, studios have no windows, mm-hmm. but my studio is just wall to wall, eight foot windows. All I can see is mountains and the city lights beneath santa fe and wow the sun, you know i i record every day and i watch the sunset you oh. know orange and green and purples and it was pretty inspiring there's one song on the record called santa fe because people always ask me how i ended up here and i told the story to my engineer producer of bill palmer and i said well you know i when i told him my story so I literally wrote a song called Santa Fe and it's four minutes, 15 seconds from the day I was born in LA. I never wanted to leave. I had a lot of jobs. I hung out in Sunset Boulevard, traveled around the world, always missing home. And, you know, and I, I was telling him this and he was recording it on a microphone and I told him my story and uh, I went, huh, I can make a song out of this. So I did. You know, but I, I don't want to make cheap lyrics like, well, I hopped in my old, get off my old Chevy and I right. headed down. So, uh, you know, I use a lot of analogies. And I said, when I say, so I got on my old horse with a bottle of whiskey to keep me company on the way. Hmm. And I knew it would take a long time to get to Santa Fe. And it's a really cool <laughs> bastard song. It's not a rock song. It's not country. I can't put my finger on it, you know? Hmm. So we wrote the 15 and then it got really sticky because I'm like, who's going to mix? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for, you know, like a famous Purdue engineer and I wanted Kevin Shirley, but he was right in the middle of mixing the Iron Maiden album. Oh. But I thought, well, wait a minute, if I can get Kevin, his studio's in Malibu. I can go back to LA. I've got a house there sitting empty. Right. I hired him and we're chatting and he sent me the songs, you know, I really dig them. And I said, okay, I'll send you the songs to Malibu. He goes, Oh, I'm not in Malibu anymore. I'm in Australia. <laughs> oh, geez. Like, what? Wow. You're, so, so I could have got on a plane and went there, but I just had to trust him. And, uh, literally for like a month, you know, it's whatever the time zone is. He sent me a mix. I'd have to have my speakers ready to go download a mix make my comments, send them back. 10 minutes later, he sent me another update and another update and another update. And that went on for a month. And that was really, I didn't get a lot of sleep, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, he's a great, I mean, Kevin Shirley is an amazing engineer. When he first started mixing the record, I was really disappointed. I said, he gave me the first song and I went, uh, this sounds like 80s. Mm. And he goes, well, I thought that's what you're going for. And I said, that ship has sailed, man. Mm. You know, I want a modern record, punchy, aggressive, in your face. I don't want a bunch of reverb. I don't want a bunch of echo. I don't want a bunch of production, just harmonies I want still. Right. So uh, he goes, oh, okay. I, I said, look, I just heard the Iron Maiden album. That thing kicks ass. Just go that direction. There you go. So he did, you know. So I'm very proud of the record. But then when I gave it to the label, uh, I had only written uh, three songs in the past that never made it. But it was me playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And I wanted those on the record because now I'm crippled. I can't play guitar anymore. Mm-hmm. I said, well, at least put those on the album, my, my last hurrah. Right. And they took them off. Wow. Ah. And I've never heard, you know, most record companies, they want 15 songs or 16 songs like Metallic albums. Right. And he goes, we only want 10. I go, but that was the old days of vinyl. You can only fit, I can't remember, I think it's 40 minutes aside or something like that. Yeah. So... I said, but these are good songs. I want them on the record. Well, why would you want to take off four good songs? And they said, well, maybe we'll put up like a bonus album out down the road and add them. But as you know, during COVID, uh, vinyl made a huge comeback. And during 2020, vinyl records sold more than CDs, like 2 million. Now it's come back like it's, it's, it's she-she. You can go to you can go to Best Buy now and they're selling turntables. Never thought I'd see that again. And you know, I remember my last platinum record I got. It had the platinum on it and it had a cassette underneath. Mm-hmm. And I went to Geffen and he said, "Well, just FYI, we're not going to make cassettes anymore." And I was thinking, "Well, all cars have a cassette player." My Beamer had one, <laughs> but they just ditched it, you know. Yeah. And now CDs are falling by the way. You just you go online and that's kind of killed all these musicians that ask for advice. And I said, guys, you know, YouTube, people recording at home, they do their little videos with an iPhone, you know, the the world's changed and there's so much content out there and you don't have to buy the record. You don't have to buy the song because fricking Apple made that deal. It used to be 99 cents, I said, a, a song, I think. Right. Now you can, 20 bucks a month, and you can download all the songs you want. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, wait a minute. You pay 20 bucks, you can download like 500 songs? Well, that's not fair to the musician. Nope. It's sure not. And then how do you divide, how you divide the money up? Between it's Between a So we got, everybody got screwed on the Apple deal. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, anyway... He just said, look, we want 10 songs on the record, 10 songs on the CD. We're ditching four of them. And they happened to pick the ones that I was playing the guitar on and John was playing solos. And I think they didn't like them. What did my record company president say? They're too grungy. And I went, grungy? (laughs) I went, well, they're old. But it, it it wasn't like they were grungy. They were just dark. Right. I was probably going through a dark phase, you know? And he didn't want any dark songs in the record. He just wanted that classic Dawkins 
tons of harmonies, up tempo, yada yada yada. Well, we are so, definitely looking forward um, to it. Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. I am dying to get this record. I delivered that record a year ago. I'm a year pissed. Ago. I want it out. Man, well, we're looking for it in yeah. September. Guys, make sure you watch to pick up Heaven Comes Down, the new Dokken release coming out in September. This is coming out on Silver Lining Kevin. Music. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, not Kevin Comes Down, Heaven Comes Down. <laughs> <laughs> you have been a true gentleman and given us so much of your and time. You notice, you know, I've always... Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. I said, you know, I've always, I was always the one that named the records. So, you know, Breaking the Chains was a song. Right. I wrote a song called Tooth and Nail. We named it Tooth and Nail. Uh, I wrote a song called Under Lock and Key, but the band changed the chorus to something else and ended up another song. Uh-huh. But we still called Under Lock and Key. Then I wrote the song, you know, Back to the Attack. So I've always named our records after songs that we've written. And that's just been a thing we do. So that's yeah. what I sit on. Then I'm thinking I'm running out of song. I'm running out of song titles. Uh, how about Heaven Comes Down? Sounds then, good to us. We can't wait to hear it, Don. I wish I could play you a track. I'm dying to. I've been playing it for friends, and everybody goes, "Holy shit, you!" I, I'm you're sorry. Back about the attack, you're back for the attack, Don. You're back for the attack. You know, Heaven Comes Down. He goes. Every song in this record, Don, is like the bomb. We so, can't wait. We are so excited to hear it. And hey, if it's cool with you when when it comes out, and maybe you've got a, a another a spare evening, you can hang out with us some more. I, we'd like to do part two of this interview. For now, we're going to have to cut you loose and let you have the rest of your evening. Thank you again for being so kind and gracious with your time. We truly appreciate you coming on with us tonight, and wish you all the best. And we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, I'm glad I had to. I had to stop cutting trees. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got you off the hook there, Don Dock and everybody. Sorry. Thanks so much right. for for uh, coming on with us. You have a great night. Take care. You Don. have a good evening. God bless. God bless. Lots of blessing. A lot we of fans watching you tonight. We appreciate you. Hang in there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. Yep. All right, great guy. My first show's next Friday. Can't oh, wait, Tulsa. Well, we will be we will be watching for you. You take care, Don. Thank you, bud. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, what so a sweetheart! Cool. What a sweetheart of a guy. I'm gonna start that meeting back up, and we're gonna get recording uh, in progress. We're gonna get Doug Burgess back in here, so we can we we need to catch up with him. We got way more time uh, with Don than I ever imagined we would. Yeah. That was an absolute treat. I, I hate feeling like I cut him off, but um, we we kind of have to. So we, I, I bet you he'll be up for part two, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I think he will. So, Doug, if you're watching, come on in, and we will uh, get you back here. And we make sure I got this all set up right. I don't think we need – we don't need closed captioning for this one. But anyway, Doug, What an amazing in. interview. Yeah, uh, it was great. That was cool. We have uh, got a lot of knowledge about the new album. We did. Um, the video that they're coming out with, the title of the of the video, um, how many tracks 
and who who uh, mixed the album. So good yeah. stuff. And and man, our numbers were cranking. Yeah, that was like that was like when we first went on in COVID, and everybody was in here. I want to apologize to you guys. I know there were tons and tons of questions and comments. We just didn't have time to get to him. He he had a lot he wanted to share, and we wanted to give him the floor. Uh, when we email him back, we'll let him know. We'll send him the link, and maybe he can come back in. And we always we always ask them if they can maybe come back in and reply to you guys on your comments. I don't know how often that happens, but we'll give it a shot. But thank you again, guys, for uh, tuning in. And we'll, we're going to wait for Doug. I'm sure he's going to. We want to give away uh, a couple tickets to Rocklahoma. So yep, hopefully yep. he's. Uh, in the house and here, he can, here he is he all come right on. this is good stuff it's been a while since we've done two guys in one night but this, this, <laughs> that's this, what she said the, hey <laughs> hey uh, i wasn't even thinking about what i was saying Let's what's keep, up doug doug are you are you alive i'm here yeah <laughs> that was a fantastic interview with don thanks for uh, for hanging in there and waiting for us um First things first, Doug. We want to talk real quick about some Rocklahoma. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up on the screen. Rocklahoma is right around the corner, um, and as it, unless you guys have been living under a rock, you you don't know, but you should know that Doug has the DNB processing stage at the Roadhouse at Rocklahoma. It's gonna to be totally rocking with amazing artists. Tell us how you're feeling about everything. Are you getting all your ducks in a row? Everything lined up and ready to ready to rock for the weekend? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 right around the corner. People yeah. keep giving, you know, there's a countdown. Lynn Hernandez and others, you know, hey, there's 40 days. There's this this many days, this many, and uh, and I'm like, uh, I'm not ready. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> you and us both. Well, that's uh, that's exciting. Which, uh, well, I, I can't really ask you what artist you're looking forward to because you're going to have to say all of them, but. Yeah, I'm going to ask you anyway. Who are some of the some of the guys you're just really looking forward to seeing? Well, on my stage, it's uh, probably going to be Kicks because they're they're retiring. Right. Yeah, uh, they're not saying that. there's a farewell tour because that's what everybody says. No, they're they're really retiring, and um, Rocklahoma is like, I think the, the there's only like two more shows after that, and they're mm-hmm. done. So I'm I'm looking forward to that because yeah. you know I've been listening to them for for so many years and it's coming to an end and mm-hmm. it's it's this one isn't isn't bullshit about right. about the popping that you know there's health problems with some of the artists uh, you know some of the, the members of the band yeah. so I'm looking forward um other than that I've seen everybody <laughs> sure sure well it's always a great time you know I, I think most of us agree that of course the bands are wonderful and you want to catch them but just the experience as a whole is something people cherish and look forward to every year yeah. and and I uh, see that you know you you always bring the cool the cool uh, yeah. more of the 80s type bands on yeah. your stage which you know is always a good mix you know with all the big bands that they bring on those bigger stages but you know LA Guns is one of them um, that you have coming this year um, this is the first time you uh, they're playing your stage. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the first time we've tried getting them before, but just you know things, you know, there's r- the routing, routing, and and uh, you know um, they already had you know uh, a show you know too close to us or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're fine. So we yeah. finally got done this year. 
LA Guns is one of those bands that you you are really close with. Um, you you bring the, you brought them uh, to open up with uh, Poison and Tom Kiefer here at the BOK Center in Tulsa, which was probably a phenomenal show. We had another show. We couldn't make it, but that looked amazing. Yeah. Um, how close are you? Are you are you still close with all the guys in LA Guns? I'm sure you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm still. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're friends of mine. You know, um, really like all the bands that, that that I book from that era. You know, we're all friends and we stay in contact with each other, party together. You know, whenever I go to Vegas or LA or they're, they're around here somewhere. We, we, you know, we get together, but yeah, yeah, we're still close. You know, when we've had the privilege of having Phil on the show, gosh, I think it's been three times we got to talk to Tracy once. And of course we know that, that they just went th- through the, the settling of the lawsuit, which from what I remember, it started in early 20 and then it dragged on for like a year and a half. And this was the lawsuit between, uh, you know, of course, the uh, the Phil Tracy side of things and then the Riley guys on the other side. I know the lawsuit was was, uh, you know, it was, it was ugly, I'm sure. But they they did settle. But I've heard some rumors that uh, that the Tracy Phil side, um, you know, that they had some some assistance with funding the lawsuit are what do you do you know anything about that well you're just gonna jump right in there aren't you (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i know a little bit about that um do you want to make any comments on that yeah i'll go go ahead it's been it's been a couple years now and you know i i wanted i wanted the band and the crew and management and everybody to keep it quiet you know whenever it was going down and whenever it did go down um that yeah i'm i'm the guy who who paid for their lawsuit oh wow wow i i did that voluntarily uh you know nobody in the band asked me to do it their you know their former manager at the time scotty ludwig Mm -hmm. this is the guy who got it done because he stayed after me because you know you know it it took a, a year and a half well, and I kept wanting to quit. I'm like, you know, it's dragging on. Mm. It's too much money. And he said, no, come on. You know, we, we have it. We have a case. You know, Tracy did have a case. Um, or I wouldn't have ever agreed to do it. Nobody in the band, again, never asked me for help, but the manager did. And me and Scotty are, are, are good friends. Uh, even now, he's not their manager anymore, but we're real, real close friends. And mm. it was something... You know, in the industry, in the music industry, a few people know about it, and they would ask me. They ask me, well, "So why did you? Why did you do it? Mm-hmm. Why did you here to pay for somebody's lawsuit?" And first of all, I, I would say I don't have a thing in the world against Stephen Riley. Sure. I don't know him. I've never met him. I heard. I've always heard good things about him. He's a nice guy. He's this and that. Don't have a thing in the world against him. But what I was told was that they had some sort, I, I'm not going to get into details because I don't know them all, mm-hmm. and, and, but they had some kind of agreement back in the day that, that wasn't legal. Mm. You know, legal filing, somebody made mistakes somewhere along the, the line. And what was going on was there, there were two bands with the exact same name 
out there going after L.A. guns. Right. And, Crazy. And I don't know anybody who likes that. No. I don't name anybody in the world who likes two, you know, two identical bands, and, and it's duping the fans. It was duping the fans, and they, sh- you know, I, 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 saw, I watched it for several years. You know, people would show up to, to an L.A. Guns show, and it's not Phil and Tracy. It's not the original singer. It's not right. Gun. Right. It's not Tracy Gun. It's, you know, they would say, who are these guys? And again, I don't have anything against those musicians at all. But I don't know. It's it, and, and also, you know, before that, you know, Tracy was on Eddie's show, on the, that metal show one day. Yep. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with each with anything this this wasn't wasn't planned out it was just something that 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 went on in my life he was on eddie's show one time and eddie asked him he said you know because was livid he was very upset about the other version of la guns and uh, i mean uh eddie asked him he said why did so why won't you go after him if you have a case why don't you go after him and he said simply i don't have the money yeah you know, the, you know the the band at that level, they're making a living, but they're not buying buying lake houses and yachts. You know, no. no. So that's kind of you know the reason why why I just I stepped up and 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 did that for them. You know, some people go, oh, you must be a you must be a super fan. No, no, I'm not a super fan. I I booked them a couple of times and I and I became you know, friends with them and yeah. very with their manager at the time. And, and that guy is the one who got it done because he wouldn't let me quit. Sure. He said, we have a case, just hang in there a little longer, hang in there a little longer. And I did, and they won and, and it, it's successful now, you know, it's, it, it's, it came out. Okay. Yeah, cool. it certainly did. And we, I know we, those guys are, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, we have, we have numerous people in the chat room and, um, some of them probably are probably not familiar with you right now. So let's just introduce <laughs> DB concerts. They, um, of course they, uh, put on, uh, they have a stage at Rocklahoma and as Doug Burgess owns the stage and he brings in a lot of the cool bands on his stage at Rocklahoma. And he also, uh, has dealings with, um, what the one in, um, Florida, right? Yeah. And I should have grabbed that flyer and I didn't. And they just released, um, uh, all of their new, um, the bands that are playing for, for this one. Yeah. West Rock Island Fest. Tell us who's on that lineup again. Sorry. I don't have the flyer for that one. Don't put me on the spot. I don't know. Well, give me like, give me like one or two cool artists. Cause I know it's an amazing lineup this year. Maybe we can go pull it real quick. We got Brett Michaels, uh, uh, D. Snyder. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. LA Guns is on there. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, Buck Cherry. Wow. Um, um, killer lineup. I don't have it in front of me. Don't put me on the spot. Yeah, that's okay. I blew it by not having that ready on my end. So, yeah, here we go. Night Ranger, Mr. Big Winger, uh, Brett Michaels, D. Snyder, Lou Graham, Jefferson Starship, Trickster, Tom Kiefer. L.A. Guns, Enough's Enough, Stone Temple Pilots, Buck Cherry, Buck Cherry, Lit, Bowling for Soup, and more. Yeah, even wow. Don, Don Fedler. That's freaking awesome, man. That's going to be a good time. We were up there for the first one. It's an, it's an amazing time. You guys got to go to Rock Island Fest down in Key West. What, what is your participation or your what is what's your involvement with Rock Island Fest? Do you just help them with booking the bands? 
No, I don't help them. Well, they consult me, okay. you know, um, the sponsor, you know, I, I, I write them a check and, and they let me in. Wow. <laughs> there you go. That's too cool. But they consult me. I mean, Rock Island Fest is Rockahoma management, you know. Oh, and okay. I did not know that. I didn't either. In conjunction with, with Kyle, I don't remember his last name. He, sorry, Kyle. Um, and he's with Key uh, Key West Music Festival or, or Key Music Festivals. And they, yeah, this is all Rockahoma people that put, that put this on. And we all talk and share ideas. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, but <clears throat> after the show starts, once, once the festival starts, I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just walking around drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, do you want to stay on with us when, while we give away these tickets that are courtesy of you and, and DEB Concerts? It's it's going to be two weekend passes to Rocklahoma. You want to stay on with us while we do this? It's sure. it's going to go fast. I'm going to take you off the screen for a second, but you're going to still be able to see us. I have to put up our, our fan chat screen. All right, everybody, if you want some Rocklahoma uh, weekend passes, I want you to listen up. Because this is courtesy of DEB Concerts. This is courtesy of Doug Burgess and DEB Concerts. And the first person to get the trivia question right in the chat room is going to be the winner. So you best get ready because this is some Dawkins trivia, okay? Name the only Dawkins album to be nominated for a Grammy. First person to get that right in the chat room is going to win. And I know there's going to be people out there running to Google right now, but that's fine. First person to get it right in the chat room wins a pair of weekend passes to Rocklahoma. Name the first Dawkin album, or the only Dawkin album, to be nominated for a Grammy. Robert, you're close. You're uh, no Mike, no David. Jeff Lounger is our winner. It, I, I hope I'm saying you're right. L-A-U-I-N-G-E-R. You are our winner. Let me write your name down so I do not forget. And we will, uh, Jeff, I want you to do me a favor. Message us on Tulsa Music Stream on Facebook. Send us your contact info so we can figure out how to get you the tickets, okay? Jeff Lounge. Huh? I don't have in hand yet. I don't have all my stuff from Oklahoma yet, so I have to send them to him later i don't have any tickets in hand no problem are you saying you're going to be the one to send them to him if i just send you his contact info yeah, yeah okay I'll do that. man doug that's so cool of you congratulations jeff you are the lucky winner of two weekend passes to this year's rocklahoma courtesy of doug burgess and deb concerts doug thank you so much um i mean generosity is just who you are you know we've had some nice comments from folks in the chat room uh, not you know, n- no one really knew about the L.A. Guns uh, story, but certainly uh, people just are marveling at your generosity and your willingness to help. And uh, and, you know, I think that's great. I think you're I think you saw a situation that was wrong and you wanted to do your part in making it right. And I commend you for D- that. Doug's always had a huge heart, man. Always, always, always. Well, you know, somebody had a need. And, you know, my wife and I, me and Laura, we, we love to help people. And somebody had a need and they didn't have the resources, you know, for that. And, yeah, it, it, was, it was the right thing to do. I, I think so. Um, I didn't, didn't mean to help, hurt anybody. If I did hurt anybody on the other side, I, I, I don't mean to. Sure. And that tension. 
I, I don't I don't know that anybody would ever view it that way. It worked out. Everybody gets to go play the LA Guns material. It's just that those guys do it under a different name. So. Stephen Riley might see it that way, you know. Well, yeah. But, but it wasn't my intention to hurt anybody on the other side. I, again, I don't know those people, but it was it was it was it, it took the confusion out from sure. you know for fans, and it gave it gave the the, the naming rights to the person and the organization where it was supposed to supposed to be absolutely totally agree with you thank you for doing that hey we're going to let you go it's been a long one we've been on the air for an hour and a half but what a great night also before we let you go thank you for helping accommodate that interview with don doc and uh, that wouldn't have been possible without you so thank you so much for your help with that Sure, I said you got to cut him off, man. He'll talk forever. Hey, I love that though, because that makes our job easy. Like we had way too many questions. <laughs> I could have brought like three questions, and he would have been fine. But uh, we'll get him back on at some point for sure. Doug Burgess from DEB Concerts. Thank you so much for everything, and we'll catch up with you soon. See ya. Take care, buddy. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Awesome. Let me find our main screen. You know what's here. really kick? What's really kick ass is there's so there's there's like messages on Facebook, but if you look, there's tons of people that were chatting in in the on youtube as well yeah this this was amazing this was absolutely amazing i don't care how long it ran sometimes the good ones run long right oh man this was oh uh, is that my phone (laughs) it is well anyway uh thank you guys so much for uh tuning in with us uh don dawkin he's a legend uh dawkin the band is a legend you know legendary so you know, I've been a huge fan of them from from the get go, from day one. Loved them, and um, I wanted to you know talk to him about so much stuff. You know, and but you know, he 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 wanted to talk, so we let him we let him go. And but we do appreciate you guys, each and every one of you, for coming into our stream and and dropping some uh, comments and and all the love for Don. And yeah. we appreciate the love you've given to both her and I. Definitely. Uh, we really appreciate that. And we also appreciate Doug for coming on and, and yeah. helping us uh, uh, with that Don Dawkins interview. And, and the tickets. of course, the ticket giveaway. Amazing. We appreciate it. And congratulations to Jeff. Jeff Lowinger. I think, I think I'm finally maybe saying it right. Jeff Lowinger. Like I said, please private message us on the Tulsa music stream page so we can make sure that, that your tickets get to you directly guys. Uh, we are late. So we're going to do a very quick thank you to our sponsors, shipment photos, Psychomo Filmworks, identity merch, Okie PC, uh, real quick, um, upcoming episode. Where is it? Where is it? Do I even have it right? Nope, that's for tonight. Oh, well, I tried. (laughs) We have an upcoming episode on Thursday, August 3rd with our podcast buddies. We rescheduled that one. Thursday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. Clint Switzer and Chuck Shoot will be on with us talking all things podcast business. We're going to be sharing some memories of some of our favorite interviews how the podcast business works, what makes it so hard. It's a hard business. Anyway, guys, make sure you tune back in. Watch our TMS page because we're always working on getting more guests and you never know when one's going to pop up. Yeah, please uh, hit follow on our Facebook page. um, Hit like, follow, and of course on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit like, uh, the notification bell, all that good stuff. We're also on Twitter and Twitch, and you can also check us out on all the – podcast uh platforms like spotify 
uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Um, I believe there's uh, Apple Podcasts. There's mm-hmm. tons of podcasts out there, uh, platforms. Just put it on there. We're on Google. And, and, and so check us out. We'd yep. really appreciate that. All you kids go to bed now. It's been a fun night of rock and roll talk. We'll see you guys soon on Tulsa Music Stream. Have a great rest of the week and weekend. Good night, y'all. Thank you.